Hello, Montrose, and welcome to Motown Knows, the Montrose Daily Press's conversation series and podcast. I'm your host, Justin Tubbs. And in case you didn't join us last time, this is the final episode in a three-part series focused on local housing. Back in November, Josue Perez talked to a local realtor about uh, the state of the Montrose housing market. And before, right before Thanksgiving, Anna Lynn Winfrey interviewed guests about housing insecurity in Montrose and on the Western Slope. Um, today, we're looking towards the future, and housing is a very much uh, a big part of that future. So joining me today is uh, City of Montrose Senior Planner Amy Sharp to talk about the city's comprehensive plan and strategies for handling growth. Welcome, Amy. Thank you. Also joining us is uh, Montrose developer and founder of Leadership Circle, uh, Matt Miles. Hi, Matt. Hey. And lastly, we're joined by demographer and owner of Western Demographics in Boulder, uh, Shannon Bingham. Welcome, Shannon. Good evening, everyone. Uh, now, before we get started, I'd just like to thank Delta Montrose Electric, Electric Association for their sponsorship. Also, if any comments or questions come up during this conversation for you, the viewers, uh, please log on to Neighbor, that's N-A-B-U-R dot MontrosePress.com and post them there. We have someone watching for your comments and questions. And if we can, we'll try to squeeze those in. Um, without further ado, let's just dive in. And uh, we want to talk about expected growth first. Uh, where do we think Montrose is headed? Uh, first, we'll start with you, Amy, by asking what kind of growth the city, Montrose, the city of Montrose is expecting. I know the city's comprehensive plan kind of shapes Montrose up until um, 2040, I think. Um, by 2040, what do we think Montrose will look like? How will how do we think it will have grown? Sure. So as you mentioned, we've been working on our comprehensive plan update. We actually started the process back in 2019, and city council just formally adopted the 2040 comprehensive plan in June of this year. Um, so this is really timely. And I'll start with a graph that kind of shows the history of Montrose growth and talk about that. This was something that was included in our existing conditions report of the comprehensive plan. So you can kind of see from this map how the city has grown over the course of time. Um, if you look in the map in the upper right hand corner, it kind of shows in dark blue in 1882 how small our city limits actually were and compared to the area that's in gray around it is what it is today. And so then you can move all the way forward then to 2019 and really see how much our city has grown over the years, um, which is quite a bit. Absolutely. Um, and that's by 2050, you expected it to be what number again? So by 2050, we expect the um, city of Montrose to grow to be approximately 30,000, a little over, and then the county to be close to 70,000. Very good. Shannon, uh, what's your perspective on that? Um, how do you see Montrose demographics changing? Well, I'm very bullish on um, the city of Montrose and Montrose County in general. Um, I'm the uh, principal demographer for the majority of the school districts in Colorado. And um so I've recently assisted um, the district school, local school district with a comprehensive plan and demographic study for their own facilities. And I would characterize my take on Mon uh, Montrose uh, growth situation as we have an existing housing stock and an existing population that has aged and has started to produce fewer children, which is the main thing that I care about. But we also have a very robust uh, land development and new housing development um, activity in the city that um, is well balanced and is putting a lot of um, really attractive affordable housing online, whether it's um, entry level housing or manufactured housing. We have 
probably three local developers that are really savvy about what the market can carry. I would say that uh, the population that we're losing due to an aging housing stock and a declining birth rate, we are recapturing via um, increasing the size of the housing stock, constructing new homes and attracting younger families to the Western Slope. And certainly um, the capacity of our airport really supports non-location specific businesses. And um, we're really bullish on um, what Mont Montrose has to offer for the future, especially for young families. Yeah, what does that mean for, um, first of all, what does that mean for people of Montrose, do you think? And what does that mean for um, developers? Um, people of Montrose being uh, the average person who lives here and is looking to buy a home or rent a home, for instance. And anybody can speak on that. Uh, well, I can start. Um, obviously, housing prices are rising. And um, what is admirable about the, the three major developers in, in Montrose is that they have really looked at the entry-level market and the manufactured home uh, product as well. And really, kind of in the face of dramatically rising housing prices, they've made available some product that young families can actually afford. Thanks. And Matt, um, uh, what do you make of this housing market? Obviously, you're a developer, and and one of your big projects is the hub at Montrose Crossing, which is a big multifamily um, uh, housing unit. And I'm I'm curious, how do you see Montrose growing? And um, obviously, you see some growth because uh, you're investing here. And what does it look like for you from 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 an investing standpoint? Well, I find it very interesting to listen to Shannon. You know, he's got good data and, and um, you know, a lot more demographic information than I'm privy to. The hub at Montrose uh, being in a uh, rental product like that is simply an attempt by our company to capitalize on what we view as a very, very tight rental market. <clears throat> we, we, um, I don't exactly know who the three developers are that Shannon's talking about, but you know, from our perspective, we we uh, try to start at the most affordable level with our communities, and that's Cimarron Creek Manufactured Home Community and the River Meadows. Both of those have um, manufactured homes available and a reasonable lot rent, and that's your um, most affordable uh, family type housing that that we offer. There are really no, uh, generally no rentals available in the region. And of course, from a quality perspective, that's very limited. So we figured that we would capitalize on that. I don't have any projections. I don't have any, you know, we're gonna have 33 per month absorption. I, I don't know any of that. I've lived here my whole life and I just really sense that, that we're into a um, growth environment and need to capitalize on it. So going with your gut a little bit. <laughs> all I know. Yeah. So uh, with all that said, we're going to move into the second half of our conversation. We're going to talk about how, how Montrose kind of handles um, the growth that we're projected to see um, and the growth that really we're seeing um, right now. Um, Amy, we'll start with you. There's a lot of different infrastructure concerns that come with growth, but um, today we'd really like to talk about housing. So, in Montrose and with its comprehensive plan, how does the comp comprehensive plan address housing concerns? 
Sure, I can talk about that. So I think it's worth noting that during our comprehensive plan um, process, we did a lot of public outreach and a lot of public engagement to gauge what the community wants to see rather than just what the city wants to see. And so our goals and objectives and our guiding principles in the comprehensive plan really came about through all the public engagement that we did over the course of the last couple of years, as well as our comprehensive plan advisory committee. And one of the primary um, principles in our comprehensive plan was around housing. And um, this guiding principle was that we wanted to encourage access to a really broad range of housing opportunities um, through different programs and partnerships in our community. Um, some of this could be encouraging a variety of housing types and densities So we'd like to see you know, you showed a graph earlier that showed how a majority of our housing right now is single family homes in the community. And a very um, small percentage of that housing is actually multifamily housing. And so one of the things that we'd really like to promote is a mix of residential housing types, um, exactly from this that you show here. So instead of us having, you know, a majority of it being all single family, we really need to work with, you know, our different programs, partnerships and developers to help increase our multifamily housing opportunities as well, um, which is something that Matt just talked about that he's doing too. Um, other things are encouraging um, more access to affordable housing um, with a different mix of housing price ranges and offering incentives and other information to help people with developing these kinds of housing opportunities. And then another big one that we're actually working on right now is um, amendments to potentially our redo district. So we have right now what's called the redo district in the core of the downtown area. It's called the redevelopment overlay district. And basically what that does right now is it allows people in a certain area to have their primary dwelling unit and then also add an accessory dwelling unit, which could be like a mother-in-law suite or granny flat. They've, they're known of a lot of different names and they could place one of those behind their current home to help with, um, you know, rental income to help pay the bills, help pay for their housing. And we're looking at expanding those opportunities possibly to a wider area or just um, increasing our flexibility within that area that exists right now in order to help improve our housing stock right now. So you use the words um, when you're talking about multifamily housing, use the words encourage and uh, I think promote. How, how does the city do that? How does a municipality um, support and encourage the growth of that type of housing? Sure. So usually it's working with our different partners and our different organizations within the community. So the city typically is not the one who goes in and builds a new multifamily housing project. And so what we're doing instead is partnering with some of our developers on those processes. Uh, Matt. Right now might be a good time to talk about the hub at Montrose Crossing because um, that is one of those large multifamily housing projects that um, Amy's mentioning there um, that they're kind of looking for. Um, so talk a little bit about that project and what went into sort of making making it happen and getting it to the point where it's at right now. Well, you know, to get into the nuts and bolts of it, um, that project is underwritten or the financing on that project is through HUD housing and urban development. It's a program uh, for market rate housing. So to qualify for that type of financing, we have to establish a need. So we do a needs assessment of rentals in the area. I run that up the pole with HUD. And um, if they accept our numbers, which they did, and they verify them, then we um, move forward with the project. This particular one has uh, meets the HUD uh, baseline of 160 units. And, um, you know, so it's a, the first phase is 160 market rate um, apartment units, one and two bedroom, 
uh, located next to the Cobble Creek Golf Course. So there's, you know, some nice neighborhood amenities and some, some, uh, you know, things out there that make it very livable. And, you know, obviously, I don't think anybody questions the need for that type of housing in the area. And I, I like to dwell on, you know, we're not going to pick up the next 160 people that come to Montrose looking for a place to live. You know, there's all different types of people that are going to live in the hub. And that's everybody from somebody that will sell their um, an older couple that might sell their house now for, let you know, pick a number, $600,000 that gives them some equity and they'll move into the hub and or, you know, a, a younger family trying to get going or, or maybe some, you know, workforce housing that, that caters to Telluride. But it just goes to making the bucket a little bit deeper in the, in the housing world. As, as a developer, though, what, what kind of incentives um, do you look for as you're, as you're kind of traversing into a big project like this? Because as we know, construction costs are really high right now in Colorado and really across the United States. And um, sometimes big projects like these um, don't get done if there aren't any incentives at all. So what do you look for? And, um, and then uh, how does it make it more capable? I mean, how does it make you more capable to uh, kind of do these projects? Well, there's two sides to that. Uh, the one side is the financial contribution or the financial offsets that the city provided. And the project would have worked with or without those financial considerations given us by the city. But since there are other developers in the market that are receiving financial consideration for us to stay on a level playing field, we asked for those what we call offsets or for those incentives from the city. But bigger than that, far and away bigger than that, is the attitude that the city staff and elected officials have toward a project like the hub. 15 years ago, you know, 06, 07, 08, when we would do a project in Montrose, like our uh, river landing project where Target is and, you know, both sides of the highway there, we paid for everything, every square foot of sidewalk, every you know, the, the entire highway improvement, all the landscaping, blah, 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 which is fine. Um, development needs to bear its own, uh, you know, take care of its own impacts. But it was a fight from day one, not so much with the city officials, but the attitude wasn't let us help. Let's work this out. You know, we're looking, we're trying to find a way to yes, we're trying to find a way to make a project successful, not, you know, maybe it'll be successful or not if you can jump through these hoops. So that attitude um, from the city, like I said, staff and elected officials, which is reflected then in the offsets financially that we get, that's what makes these projects viable. That's what makes us go out and start a project a year ago and have it final platted a month ago in 11 months. It's unheard of to move a project that fast, uh, different than the hub. But, you know, this is just a good time to be a developer in Montrose. Amy, um, since you're with the city, can you speak to sort of the attitude that uh, Matt is talking about? Um, is that a conversation that city staff is having behind closed doors about, hey, when we have developers like this, um, we need to do everything we can to make sure that they are able to you know, do these projects that are going to help Montrose families? 
Well, I could say, um, you know, Matt knows more history than I do because he's been around a lot longer than I have here at the city. Um, but it's not even a behind closed door thing. It's actually in our comprehensive plan. Um, our comprehensive plan, again, based on public comment that we heard, you know, through all the um, outreach that we did, and as well as our comprehensive plan advisory committee, I was just pulling it up. And um, one of our objectives and one of our goals under affordable housing, and I'll even read it, it says offer incentives and information in order to encourage affordable housing and new developments. So Matt's right, you know, it's something that we really want to work with our developers and our partners on in the community in order to help promote more um, housing in our community, because it's something that we really need. Absolutely. Shannon, uh, this this is a question for you. How much how much does housing and and the housing market factor into demographic changes in a region, um, uh, in general, and then also with Montrose? Well, price range is everything. Um, the leading determinant of whether or not we get school age children out of development is, uh, you know, job growth. There's a direct correlation between job growth and um, student enrollment growth. But um, when a community is predominantly building um, high-end housing for retirees and people looking for a resort lifestyle, school districts don't really get children out of that kind of development. What we do get um, housing, what we do get children out of is housing that is um, low to moderate income. Um, multifamily housing has traditionally not produced a lot of children other than attached products, duplexes, triplexes, fourplexes do. Um, modular housing probably produces, modular and mobile homes produce more children in Montrose County than any other dwelling type. So um, that is really what has, has fostered the maintenance of enrollment levels in the local school district is um, the developments that are able to um, support working families. And um, so, you know, that's, uh, you know, I'm looking at Ridgeline, Coker, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure Matt owns a variety of companies, so I don't have them all straight. But, you know, the, the local development community has done a really good job of hitting both ends of the price spectrum. And uh, we have a lot of custom and higher end housing in the county. And then we have um, adjacent to the city, um, some really attractive uh, communities where we have 150 children coming out of one mobile home development, you know, at a time, there are probably three locations where that is the case. And um, that is what is really fostering um, a housing stock that's that sustains families. And, um, you know, so as far as, you know, how does housing affect demographics? It's all about price range um, because um, most people that own a higher end home are farther along in their careers. They may have high school or college age children or their children may have already um, you know, left the house and they may be continuing to work as empty nesters or they're retirees. So you know, price range is really everything. Amy, does the, does the city put a lot of stock into um, the type of demographics that they're inviting to Montrose? For instance, do you, does Montrose want more younger families? Does it want more of uh, the kind of retirement folks that um, Shannon's talking about? Is that the type, what type of growth are you looking for exactly? 
I would say absolutely to all of it. You know, we're a community that we welcome any age group. And as um, Shannon mentioned, and I think some of our demographic um, age distribution table kind of showed that, and he kind of spoke to this already as well, that um, our um, retirees, that growth is you know, going faster than what our younger population is. So we definitely want to see more jobs, more younger population moving to Montrose. Um, we really try to encourage people that grow up here that may go to college, you know, elsewhere to come back and live in Montrose and settle down here as well. Um, so we really encourage a variety of all of it. How does the city deal with um, maybe pushback against growth? Um, because, you know, there's probably a vocal minority that, you know, doesn't want growth and wants the same old Montrose they've always had. And I've, I've heard that in small towns everywhere I've ever gone. Um, what, what does the city say to that exactly? You know, you're right. We see a little bit of both sides and we heard it during our comprehensive plan advisory committee uh, meetings as well. And the public engagement where people said they still wanted us to make sure we maintained that rural character um, of our community. And um, I don't know if I shared this map with you at all or not, but in our comprehensive plan, we have what's called a future land use growth map. Um, you can get to our comprehensive plan by just Googling City of Montrose comprehensive plan um, and the information's in there as well. Um, but we try to show a variety of um, densities that would be allowed in our city. So that way we have um, pockets of area that are planned for high density. And there's also pockets in our community that are planned still for very low density as well. So that way we have a variety of both types. So that way um, people that want to live in a neighborhood, you know, with a lot of people, there's that option. And there's also an option to live, you know, on lots that are pretty large, you know, even within the city limits as well. Matt, as a developer, you you have faced some pushback um, with the hub, uh, specifically with folks in uh, the Cobble Creek development. Um, and you've talked about that in the press and everything. Um, how do you deal with pushback when you have situations like that? Well, we are goal oriented. <laughs> you know, when we decide to do something, we do it. And when we have opposition, we face that opposition honestly and forthrightly and work with them the best we can to, to uh, alleviate their concerns. But Track record is everything in my business. And I, you know, I love the Cobble Creek people when I, you know, I've been here a long time, a long time. And when I tell the Cobble Creek people that I can see my hub project from my house, they don't believe me, but trust me, you can see it from my house. So um, what would you call that? I don't know what you call that. I guess hometown advantage, but in all seriousness, um, the best projects we do are in neighborhoods that get vocal uh, neighborhood opposition. Those people care about where they live. They take good care of their properties. They don't want to see uh, they're adverse to change. Everybody is somewhat adverse to change, but they flat don't want to see negative impacts in their community. When I say their community in their neighborhood. So like the hub, we are very confident that not only will that be a very successful project, but it will be an enhancement to that neighborhood because of what we intend to do and because the neighbors are going to keep their houses nice. So it sounds kind of odd, but I welcome neighborhood opposition. And I get really concerned when I do a project and don't hear any neighborhood opposition. Absolutely. And we're coming up against time here. So we'll just go around. If anybody else has anything they want to add to the conversation here to wrap up, uh, we'll start with Amy. Do you have anything you wanted to add? 
I don't really. I thank you very much for the opportunity for us to be here tonight and talk about our comprehensive plan and the goals of the city. Um, just thank you very much for inviting us. Absolutely. Uh, Matt, anything to add? No, I appreciate you having us. And uh, to the residents of Montrose, strap in because you haven't seen anything yet. <laughs> Shannon, any more thoughts? Um, just my compliments to the city leadership and to the uh, development community for what you're providing to young families. I think it's uh, rare um, in the state right now for there to be affordable housing in a place as beautiful as Montrose. And um, I just think that's really commendable. And that's going to wrap up this week's episode of Motown Knows. Thanks again to our guests, Matt Miles, Amy Sharp, and Shannon Bingham. If our conversation today brought up any comments or questions, head to neighbor, that's N-A-B-U-R dot com, and post your questions there. We'll do our best to get back to you on them. And thanks again to our sponsor, the Delta Montrose Electric Association, for their continued support. Um, Motown Knows was created by Josue Perez and myself. It's edited by Sean Flannelly and Sean Fitzpatrick. And additional production support comes from Annalyn Winfrey and Cassie Knust.